Welcome. It's Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I'm here with Victor Roman Sr. Victor and I have uh, done some episodes before. I really enjoyed them. Victor is the rookie card specialist. I think he wants to be known as now, and that is very fitting. He's really researched it. I love that. We're going to talk about one of the famous rookies who came on the scene amazingly back in the late 80, but really in 81, had his big splash, Fernando Valenzuela, Fernando Mania. But before we do that, better thank the sponsors. Thank you, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, and Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. Fernando was all the rage. 81 had a fabulous season, really had a great career. His best years were with the Dodgers, but he had a longer career but he was an amazing athlete. So anyway, welcome to the show, Victor. Before I start waxing eloquently about Fernando, I was older than you. Actually, I still am older than you, but you remember uh, Fernando burst on the scene and he captured the hearts, I think, of two countries. You know, he's in LA, which has close proximity to Mexico, and he was a, a cultural bridge and a, and a phenomenon and an amazing pitcher and athlete. So what's your memory as a, as a young boy? Then I'll get into the rookie card aspect. Yeah, Jim. Uh, thanks for having me back, by the way. In 1981, when Fernando came on the scene, I was 10 years old. You talk about ca him capturing the hearts of the nation, or, or at least people in LA and in two Mexico. Nations. Two nations. Yeah, two nations. I know he captured the heart of this young man because I was able to watch him play. It seemed like Primetime television wanted to capture every single game that he started, at least to my recollection. But I, I, I remember my parents specifically, they were big baseball fans, and they, they made it a point that when Fernando was pitching and he was on primetime television, that we were going to watch that game. And I know he captured my heart at a very young age, the way he pitched. And I, I remember specifically this one moment where the announcers were dissecting his delivery as he would look up to the heavens as he was delivering the ball and they analyzed his delivery and it made such an impression on me. I thought this guy was just a uh, superhuman to add even more to it. That was the year that I really started collecting sports cards and it was very prevalent growing up in a Hispanic community. His cards were very prevalent in our community. And I remember my friends and I riding our bikes to the nearest Walgreens to buy packs uh, and all. And we were chasing Fernando Valenzuela cards. We didn't know they were rookies. All we knew that this guy was popular. We loved him and we wanted his cards. And yeah, that's backstory with Fernando. Are you talking about the three-player rookie card that Topps had that he shared with, I guess, uh, Socia and Percanti? Or are you talking about Fleer? Because Fleer was brand new th uh, that year. Correct. I know I had the Fleer only because my dad had brought some, but well, the only thing that was available in the corner stores or the uh, pharmacy stores for us was just the tops version. That's all that we were really buying. Okay. And uh, did that bother you that he shared the card? No, it, I didn't. At, at my age, I didn't really pay attention to that. I don't think. You know, I think 10 years old is a very key year for a lot of kids. I think when I look back 10 and 11, right in there were some of my peak years as a younger collector where I really got it. And, and yeah. more aggressively went after cards and traded. And it was a part of my social culture in my neighborhood as well. And of course, I'm, I'm older than you, but uh, <laughs> his windup that they could dissect, they're trying to figure out why I think in his in, in that rookie year, the reason he's on TV is because he was pitching shutouts. A high percentage of his early starts were complete game shutouts, which people don't even do complete games anymore. 
But my sense was that there were two things going on. One is that he had a lot of misdirection in his delivery. So the looking up and then the, the kind of the hesitation and then coming at it. He wasn't a power pitcher. He was more finesse, but he had a lot of movement on the ball and uh, threw a screwball, which people don't know how to throw it. Plus, it hurts your arm. Yeah. So what left-handed pitcher do you think copied him? Me. <laughs> I pitched in the backyard and sandlot games and things like that. Okay. Because I, I was wild to mimic Fernando <laughs> with the leg kick and the looking up and all that stuff and throwing the screwball. I pitch batting practice and things like that and experiment with different things. But if you throw a lot of screwballs, he, he must have been very supple in the way he delivered, although he had arm trouble uh, later on. Okay, one other thing. He didn't look like he would be a great hitter or base runner, but he really was. But he was. What was that about? Not sure. He, he maybe just was a savant in his athletic ability that because he, he he didn't do it by sheer speed, but he must have had great hand-eye coordination as a batter. He, he'd pinch hit. He was used as a pinch hitter sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So what's not to like about that? He's a very likable guy. I think a friendly guy. And yeah. but he wasn't very, very unassuming, very, I think, right? Very impressionable anyways to a young generation. And very impressionable as far as the history of the rookie card in, in, in my research, anyways. Okay, so here's my big question for you, the reason I wanted to do this. You realize he is one of the very few anomalies where, and maybe Cal Ripken would be another one in a similar year, is that his three-player card, the rookie that people really consider his main rookie, the Topps rookie card, uh, is surpassed in value by his 81 Topps traded. Issued the same year, issued in his rookie year, but issued as a traded update rookie set at the end of the year in a, in a box. Although, right. So what do you say to that? Is that a counterexample? You know, Cal Ripken, same thing. When the uh, traded update rookie sets at the end of the year, the tops did, were on a very limited basis. How do you handle that as a rookie card specialist? You know, the hobby has spoken. The, the tops traded was uh, an extension of the regular top set. The one in the set, I would say, would be the, the true rookie. I don't think uh, there's anything wrong with the trade it said. It's a beautiful card, aesthetically. It's, 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 more, the, it's a more beautiful card. It Absolutely. Yes. Ten, ten times. And the way I handle it is, what's wrong with it being a rookie year card? Okay, and so you're not going to call it an RC, a rookie card, but you're willing no. to say it's a rookie year card. True. That's how I look at it. And it doesn't bother you that the value is greater now? No. I, I, I have them both in my collection. Why not? Okay. Another wrinkle here is that does it bother you? Again, I've said that the, the price guide value for the basic card, the basic raw card is greater for the traded card. But in, a, in higher grades, that value flips. A more a 9, 9.5 or 10 of the 81 tops is much more valuable than a 9, 9.5 or 10 of the 81 tops traded because of That's the condition sensitivity and not being in a pack. That's one of the reasons... Again, we've discussed this before. One of the reasons the early definitions that I really tried to hold, again, the people have spoken, when something is in a pack and it's a rookie card and you've got to open it up out of the pack, you can't be guaranteed to get it. You're buying packs, hence you're handling the card. And a lot of them got handled roughly by kids in the neighborhood. They weren't all kept in pristine condition. Does that affect you? So then, like I said, the 81 tops traded, you still can occasionally find them in the box. And then it's, you can just send them in and you get a high grade if it hadn't been touched. 
I think it's a very logical reasoning why uh, it would be more in higher grades. It, you're saying in raw form, what's the traded versus the, the tops? 30 to 25. You know, it's, okay. it's a little bit more valuable. Okay. The trade, it's better and it's more beautiful. It's not the rookie card, but it, it's, well, there's a lot less of them produced. That also, there's le- less yeah. supply. But in great condition, in nines and up, I think it's easier to find. And again, that was part of the rookie card motivation there is that rookie cards ought to be accessible to the general public. The mainstream distributed, yeah, and you shouldn't be guaranteed to get it. You should buy a pack and take your chances. And right. uh, that was the the fairness aspect that I, I think we tried to have. And I think it's held pretty much. Now, yeah. the, the, the definition has evolved over the years. So Fernando was a, a good example of that. Let, let me ask you this about Fernando, Jim. What is your take on him um, being a Hall of Famer at some point in the future? Or do you think his career... He's already, he's already in the, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Okay. <laughs> you got me. First ballot, probably unanimous. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> he's already in that Hall of Fame. But Koufax had six stupendous years as well. But it was at the end of his... Fernando had six stupendous years at the beginning of his career. Right. Is it his fault that he kind of kept pitching and then once he left the Dodgers which LA is a good place to pitch not denying that but right. then he was a little bit of a journeyman and he hung in Bounce there one more games than he lost but that's the Hall of Fame people they just again I think for six years he was one of the very best he was the very best pitcher in baseball at least one year yeah maybe two and and, and six he probably was in the running so is that enough for the Hall of Fame I'd rather have six years of absolute excellence been 17 years of pretty good or borderline great. He was great for six years. To me, that ought to get him consideration. Like I said, I think he was a cultural bridge. I think that's positive. You're probably not supposed to take that into account, but he woke up that whole area of Southern California into a phenomenon. Like I said, it was wholesome. He was an amazing story. He gave kids, adults too. I was an adult too. I'm older than Fernando is. It, It inspired the people that saw him. And I think that's worth yeah. a lot. That's worth a lot. Yes. Excellent role model. He was too. <clears throat> okay. Probably it depends on who would be on the ballot for the hall of fame, but here's another thought. What do you think the chances are that Fernando Valenzuela used PEDs? Slim to none. You think it's none or less than slim and maybe less than none. I think is if he was, then he was getting the wrong stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So by that, you're saying, here's a guy who did it naturally. He did it his way when these uh, Hall of Fame uh, voters are looking at people that did it with these uh, PED enhancements. So what if when he started hurting his arm a little bit toward the late 80s there, if he would have used some other kind of um, repair that's uh, chemical? A lot of these steroid and PED guys said, we didn't do it till we got injured. And then we, we really wanted to come back quicker. And be that as it may, but I don't think Fernando did that. So you can't impute statistics to him, but it seemed like he did it the right way. Let's just leave it at that. I think he deserves strong consideration. Not just the Mexican Baseball Hall of Fame, but the Cooperstown (laughs) Baseball Hall of Fame. And another thing after your own heart, the Baseball Card Hall of Fame. He captured the imagination of collectors in 81. Victor, thank you. Keep up the good work. Always uh, enjoy your stuff. And uh, thank you for giving me an opportunity to think back to 40 years ago. Gosh, 40 years ago. So thank you, everybody. Thanks, Victor. Be back again tomorrow with another episode. Thanks, Jim. The man in the house.